Oh my stars, it's the Daddy Brains. Whoa, Nelly. Welcome in to Leather Brains. Your host here, Slap Dog, and I am joined by both Yeti and Sam today. Gentlemen, how are we doing? You know, living the dream, living the dream. We might we might be getting a tornado touching down here around Denver, but uh, I'm in the basement, so so I'm safe. So well, that's good to hear. Not not the tornado's not good to hear, but it's good to hear that you're at least safe. So <laughs> if your wife and dog run in the room, I guess we'll know what's going on. Yeah, right. Run outside with the camera, with the webcam. We'll catch it live for the pod. <laughs> then we'll definitely go viral. Yeah, screw, yeah, screw content. football content. I yeah. think being weathermen is the the way to go. So, well, here we are. we're we're hoping for your safety, Sam, and uh, hopefully, hopefully we should we should be good. So, Yeti, how are you doing over in uh, in the four hundred two, my friend? Oh, no tor- tornado, but <laughs> it's been an eventful day in Yeti's household, but. Uh, we're here, baby. Let's talk football. Let's talk football. Today, we have a lot of, of football to talk about. So today, we're going to be talking about the vets, NFL vets, the people who have been playing the game. And we're going to talk about the winners and the losers when it comes to the veterans because the NFL draft happened, right? And so because that NFL draft happened, some of the vets, their value certainly got a little bit worse. Some of them got a little bit better. Some of them might have stayed the same, but I still feel like we should talk about them. So that's what we're going to do today. But before we talk about the vets, we got some news to cover, boys. So let's get down to business. Hey, boys, let's get down to business. First piece of news. My boy, the king himself, Sir Mr. Daniel Campbell, head coach for the Lions, has stated that he does not expect Hendon Hooker to play for, quote, a long time time if you're unfamiliar with who Hendon Hooker is he is the quarterback that the Lions drafted in the second round to replace Jared Goff so I'm not surprised with this I mean obviously I don't think I think this is Jared Goff's year but I, does this come as any sort of surprise to, to either of you that Hendon Hooker will probably be riding the bench and learning under Goff I don't, I don't think so. Um, you know, because he's got that injury he's, he's working on too. Right. So, um, that coupled with, you know, they, they, they did some good things and, uh, let's, let's be honest. Goff did, he has played in a Super Bowl, so he, he can make it to the big game. Secondly, I think they got a steal there. Right. So can we all agree on that? It's, mm-hmm. it's a steal. So let's not, let's not, uh, you know, dare I say, pull, pull a Detroit Lions and just waste waste the talent of a quarterback for, for a long, long time. Let's get him in the right situation, build up our team, which they're, which they're well uh, underway to do so. Did I hear you mumble Matt Stafford right right before you said that? You know, I didn't say his name specifically, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think it's obvious and a long time. What is a long time to Dan Campbell? Who knows? But, uh, yeah, I think it's a very smart idea to – Make sure this guy is is um, healthy, and he's got that excuse too. That's what's nice is there's really no pressure. Hey, we're Goff's our guy because this guy's not even healthy, so we're not even going to discuss it. So he's in a great position to say whatever he wants and uh, come out looking like a smart coach. So, 
yeah, especially as a rookie too. I feel like getting that learning experience behind the scenes is so valuable um, because any like rookies nowadays are expected to come into the league and set the world on fire. Right. But, but the guy like Hendon hooker who was drafted not in the first round, um, but he saw his draft capital, right. It gives him a, a, a year maybe to learn the offense. And then maybe next off season, we're having a discussion of is golf going to be the starter, but I think it's, it's great coach speak at this point in the season. That's because Dan Campbell's a great coach. So let's start there. Uh, but no, I, I think that, you know, as, as Sam alluded to, like he's coming back from an ACL surgery, right? So he's not going to be ready. And I don't think that they should try and push him to be ready. Like this is another year for Jared Goff. Now, I think we're going to have this conversation again next year. And I think it becomes a little bit more interesting because I think there's a legitimate case for Hendon Hooker potentially to be the starter next year. But barring any sort of injury from Jared Goff, I and also the recovery of Hooker, I don't expect him to be on the field much this year. Yeah, and I mean, are the Lions a Super Bowl uh, contender this year? Not this year, but they're kind of, I was going to say we. Um, so they're, they're in a perfect situation yeah. where it's like, he's a rookie, but on top of that, he's coming off a serious injury. And even though Dan Campbell would never, ever, ever say he's not going for the Super Bowl this year, the real answer is, what you can know, we do? We're trying what to make playoffs do? this year. Next year, we're trying to be contenders. Yeah, that's reality. And they're going to do it. They're going. I've just just a gut feeling. Just a gut feeling. I wouldn't mind it. You know, I got no <laughs> dog in the fight in the, the NFC. All right. Who cares? <laughs> the NFL schedule, gentlemen, has been released. So we finally know who all of our respective teams are playing. We can kind of look at the strength of schedule a little bit. But the thing to note for me. We're going overseas. Again, five international games wow. have been scheduled, two of which are the Jaguars spend back-to-back weeks there, so I think they're going to become uh, natives of the U.K. I, for one, don't like this. I'm just going to say it. I don't like getting up that early to try and watch NFL football. It really it ruins my day. And they're going to do it five different times, so they're making they're, – what, what the NFL is doing – and I think they're being very, very sneaky and coy about it, but they're making us wake up so we can watch football literally all day from like eight to, I guess it depends on where you live, but like eight to like 10 to midnight is just football. And they're like, we're going to, we're going to captivate America and make them. Watch What's wrong with that? It's, it's just, I know I, I enjoy my sleep. And I know that if there's a game on, on on that Sunday morning, I have to get up. We only get to sleep in on the weekends. So it kind of screws up my schedule, and I'm a little pissed off about it. You got started early. early. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 We got games on Saturdays. Priorities, man. I, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure you'll – it's just another reason, like, to tell the wife – Hey, I mean, there's, I, got, I can't, I got I can't go do, do this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't tear up the backyard and get it all nice because football. Speaking of the schedule, that's what that's what came to mind on Black Friday. I'm like, you know, I don't I don't know about you guys. I am not shopping. I'm not doing any of that BS. Mm-hmm. So this is awesome. Wife can go do whatever, wrestle with people in Target or whatever happens. I wouldn't know. And uh, that's going to be a really good game, too. Obviously, yeah. the Jets Black- Miami. Let's yeah. go. Yeah, that, well, I mean, they're both – that is going to be a really fun game. And I like the Black Friday one. I will admit that. That's a really good one because, as you mentioned, 
like my significant other, she's like, Hey, let's, let's go shop and let's go do this. And I'm like, I don't want to do any of that. So now I have like a legitimate, like, I can't got to watch. This is a really important game. I got to watch this. You go, you just report back to me what, what good sales you got. And, uh, and I'll, I'll sit my happy ass on this couch. Yeah. Yeah. There's also, there's also Christmas game, which is going to be really fun. The giants versus the Eagles. So pretty exciting game for that. I, I think the giants, they were good last year. You can't say they weren't good last year. They made it to, uh, to the playoffs and, and made a good run in the playoffs with a less than stellar team. So I think that's going to be a fun, could be a Christmas miracle. Who knows? Yeah, could, it, probably my least favorite of the ones just sure. because, uh, you know, if I got those guys on my team or if I'm playing against them, I'm going to tune in. And let's be honest, uh, I'll tune in either way. But uh, really like the New Year's Eve one, Cincinnati KC. That's like the new AFC rival. Yeah. Rival, mm-hmm. yeah. Really like Jets Miami. But, um, yeah, Hurts, Hurts Barkley, gonna going to look for that. See Danny Dimes run for his his you know his sixty five yard average, boost boost his points a little bit there. Yeah, so. you'll get some points out of him. But I I do agree with you. I think that I I'm mostly looking forward to that. What a better way to kick off the New Year's than watching that rivalry game because it, it has turned into a very like it, we none of us are Chiefs fans, which is very ironic because yeah. every episode there's Chiefs fans on here. Um, but yeah, or the Chiefs fans would say like the the Bengals are their their biggest rival right now. Them or the Bills probably. Yeah, yeah, and and you know that's the end of the that's basically the end of the season. There's going to be a home field advantage or whatever, whatever. I mean, obviously things change year to year, big time in the NFL. The swings. Uh, hopefully, you know Kansas City's uh, gets Cincinnati knocks them out of the playoffs. That would be that would be just a a New Year's just gift that uh, <laughs> I'm giving. I'd be really cool with that, but uh, that's really wishful thinking. But uh, yeah, it's going to be good. A lot, you know, likely a ton of fantasy football value in that game. Uh, so that'll be. Oh cool. yeah, I I uh, completely agree. Let's pivot here for a moment. Kyle Murray or Kyle Kyler Murray did a kind gesture, gentlemen. He donated fifteen thousand dollars to a GoFundMe of a child that lost both parents due to a shooting. I'm going to say this because I'm a, I'm a Cardinals fan. This warmed my heart just a little bit, and it made me it it. I'm not bought back in on Kyler, but just like a, I'm, I just I turned in his direction. Like I was, I had my back to him, and I started <laughs> to turn, and I like kind of looked at him, and I was like, damn, like he, he's not a bad guy. You can like Kyler off the field. I think it's on the field the way you got to be worried about with him. Well, I think it's just I think it's. Because of his on the field persona, it has rubbed me the wrong way on his off the field persona. Because the only like I don't know a lot about the guy's life off the field, other than he's a he's a Call of Duty savant. But I don't know a whole lot about him off the field. But this was a cool move. I was like, okay, this is really nice. Like he he did a really nice gesture, and it it caught national media. So I was like, okay, not a bad move. Now, Kyler, if you could take that same kindness and bring it to the gridiron with your teammates, maybe we could get somewhere as a team. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm not going to talk down about a kind gesture, obviously, but it's his. I think I think what's what his problem is, is the dedication and discipline that the NFL requires. It's the long term. It's the long term. Short term. Is he fast? Is he quick? Can he throw? 
Can he do all these things? Is I mean, he's fantastic. Does he have a ton of money? And it, was this a super nice way to donate some of that money? Fantastic. Uh, can't say a bad word about a guy doing something like that. It's, it's the tough things for Kyler that probably uh, separate the good from the great in the NFL that you need to see from him. And then secondly is like attitude, body language during games. But yeah, it's a super nice gesture. And obviously it's almost daily that this stuff happens in America. And it's super unfortunate that this kid is without parents now. I mean, it's, it's a tragedy. So super nice thing for him to do. Uh, hopefully, you know, for, for Arizona fans, he can, uh, lock it down on the field here and we'll see. We'll see. I do have a question for you though. So as a former beat reporter, you've spent a lot of time around NFL players. Yep. That kind of attitude, have you seen it be almost cancerous to a locker room and a team in, in previous runnings that you've had or is it, or do you find that those people are often like kind of i don't want to say shunned by the 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 rest of the team but like maybe kind of like they're they're loners so to speak because the rest of the team more has has more of a team mentality well i'll say this about the nfl what they really do well is you know and i'm again i don't want to downplay murray's gesture because it's awesome but what the nfl does great is nearly every single one of these players has a charity contributes an immense amount of time and then you got fans that are always sweating guys. Oh, you make this much money, you, you do this and that. One, they're in probably one of the most, if not uh, the most cutthroat kind of business, which is professional athletics. And secondly, these guys put in so much time uh, at their craft, but then additionally spend time doing charities, donating their money, uh, doing a lot of this stuff. So I knew I knew some guys that I didn't necessarily like. I thought, their personality wasn't very team oriented, things of that nature, but they still had charities and there was, and then I'd see them or go to their charity events and uh, they couldn't have been nicer to the folks that they were donating their time and money to. So the NFL, I think they do. I don't want to say the best job because I only have um, experience in uh, professional football, but it seems to me that they make the biggest effort when it comes to charitable donations as well as time. So, uh, but luckily I didn't have, there was only a few guys on the, on the teams, the Broncos teams that I covered that uh, you could see it. You could see it in the locker room where it was rubbing people the wrong way and they made it, they, they exacerbated it by just uh, not seeing the team aspect of things. So that happens with every team. Yeah. Saw it very little, but uh, when you got, when you got players like, uh, Peyton Manning on the team, it gets straightened out pretty quickly and, you know, stuff that, and when it gets straightened out, it gets straightened out without any of the media's knowledge. So that was my experience. It was, it wasn't uh, uh, for the media to see, let's put it that way. Well, I appreciate the insight. And that's, you know, I, I figured there's a lot of that going on. Like, I mean, there's a lot of closed door conversations that are like, Hey, get your shit together or else it, this is not going to be, not going to be a thing for you a whole heck of a lot longer. Um, speaking of things that are not going to be around for a whole lot longer, Bruce Arian stated that Baker Mayfield is <laughs> rated higher than any other quarterback in the 2023 draft. Yeti, you agree with this? I don't know what kind of crack Bruce Arians is smoking, but I mean, you know, all the power in the world for him to give that opinion. My opinion, however, is I would much rather have any of this top three over Baker Mayfield. I mean, 
Really? What have you seen from <laughs> Baker Mayfield in the past five years that makes him an NFL-worthy starter? Maybe Baker brought his Heisman Trophy to the, the Bucks locker room and just showed it to him. Yeah, that could be, man. Gave him a <laughs> stack of money and was like, hey, tell this to the media so they can hype me up a little bit. I mean, if we're gonna talk, if we're gonna talk, continue to talk about short quarterbacks. You know what I mean? Like, right. if, you, if you just take Baker and if you take take Baker and Kyler, I, I love Baker's attitude uh, and approach to the NFL uh, way more than Kyler Murray. That's fair. I agree. However, we've seen enough of a sample size of Baker Mayfield to say that this this dude is. Uh, average at best, average at best. So, I mean, I guess what is Bruce's job, anyways? He's front office. Yeah, he's front office uh, now. He's not the head coach. Well, I mean, he could say he could. I mean, what what's uh, what's the downside of just saying outlandish, outlandishly positive? <laughs> yeah, you're like, I don't give a shit. Like, I'm not anybody on your team. roster. Our third string guard is the best guard in uh, the NFC South. Like, I mean, there's there's no downside, right? Uh, but uh, yeah. And then, and then I actually was looking this up. Their OC came out and said, uh, "What's his name? Dane Canellas, if I'm pronouncing that correctly." He's like, "Baker's neck and neck in a competition with Kyle. Uh, is his name Kyle Trask? I don't even yeah. know his real mm-hmm. name." Yeah. So you're saying Baker's the better than anybody drafted, but he's competing. The OC is saying he's competing with a guy who's thrown the ball nine times in the NFL. Well, that's so, about how many completions Baker's had. I mean, there's your year. real, there's your real answer. Like, you know, Anthony Richardson is going to surpass nine throws uh, week one, uh, and Baker may or may not be on the field week one. Yeah, so. yeah, <laughs> kinda... I, no, it's that's a. It was I laughed so hard when I saw this, yeah. and it, it was kind of funny because it made me it rem, reminded me of when Baker was with the Browns, right, and OBJ was with the Browns, and. OBJ threw an absolute fit, and he said, "Quote unquote, this guy fucking sucks." He's like, "This quarterback is terrible. He can't throw me the ball." And I remember during that time, I was thinking to myself, "Like OBJ, shut up! Like just shut up and play football." Like he's not that bad. Like I think that you just are complaining because you don't have the ball enough. And then Baker went to the Panthers, and that really opened the opened my eyes. And I was like, "Oh no, he just he actually is bad." And then I like. I want to – I know that OBJ listens to the show. I want to apologize to him because he was right. Baker Mayfield is just terrible. And Baker Mayfield, like, he's kind of – he's like the poor man's Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's just going to hop around the NFL and be on a bunch of different teams. That's but he's way worse than Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> poor man's Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's what, Yeah, that's kind of what he is. And so – for Bruce Arians to say that, I think is really stupid because, like you said, it what's what's the ramifications well, of it? But he, he might not be. The, the funny thing is, uh, Tampa's in such a bad spot. Like Baker's probably going to win that job, and Baker's probably going to play more football than half of the guys drafted just this year. I mean, they're, they're rookies, so a lot of them aren't going to be on the field. But let it, let me pitch this question to you guys, and I'm curious as to both of your responses. We talked, yeah, you and I have talked about Devontae Adams, right? We talked about the potential for the Raiders to trade him midway through the year when, when the Raiders finally realized that they're, they're not going to be playoff bound. Do you think the same could happen for Godwin and Mike Evans? Just because, 
I'm sure they're both going to be pretty vocally upset that they're going from somebody like Tom Brady to, to Baker Mayfield. And that team's not going to be great. Like we, we can probably all agree that the Bucks are, are on the precipice of a hard rebuild. You think both those guys go and, and uh, find new homes in order to maybe give the, the Bucks a chance at, at a brighter future with young new players? I think so. I mean, I could see them holding on to Chris Godwin because he's still 26 years old. He's still a younger wide receiver, right? So if they get a young quarterback in next year's draft or whatever the case may be, at least they have Chris Godwin to kind of help him develop, right? But Mike Evans, you know, he's, what, 31 years old now. He wants to win, man. I mean, everybody in the NFL wants to win, right? But especially when you're getting towards the end of your career, like, all I want to do is win another ring. So... I I could see Mike Evans being the one that's gone. And I think his contract is up next year, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, you know, he I don't think he finishes out his contract with Tampa Bay, but he's still on a good contract for a top tier wide receiver, in my opinion. Yeah, the only argument is, is like like you said, like his contract is coming to a close. So do they try and squeeze the juice and get as much value out of him and and send him on his way? Because, you know, there's like. They're not going to resign him. Yeah, you, you got to sell high. Like they, mm-hmm. they should, they should be in, uh, you know, quintessential rebuild mode, one hundred percent. When you're talking about again, Baker and Trask <laughs> fighting for a starting uh, role, QB one, you know, let's just tear it apart. Let's, uh, Bruce should be rebuilding rather than uh, talking about his quarterback situation. I could not agree more. We could potentially see D Hop, Devontae Adams, and Mike Evans get dealt at some point this year, which is kind of crazy to think about. That is kind yeah, of crazy. And like, like, think about this. Like, obviously, we kind of already have an idea as to who these contenders are going to be this year. Like, the Bills, the Bengals, of course, the Chiefs. Like, hypothetically, one of those guys goes to the Bills. Like, that offense pretty freaking scary i mean with like a Diggs, you got kincaid there now you have uh, of course josh allen like in any of those guys like you could say the same thing for the Bengals. like you have higgins you have uh chase and then if you get like a d hop like that's just not that feels like it's just cheating like it's not fair so it could be fun but you, you'd have to find one of those teams that certainly is willing to quote risk it all to try and try and get them to the next level to, to hopefully get that Super Bowl. So yeah, but yeah, that's that is a weird, that's a crazy list of very talented wide receivers that could see some movement this year. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We yeah, ready to move wild. on to to the the stocks, the stonks, guys. Let's do it. All right, so let's talk about the uh, the stock value for some of these veterans that are currently in the NFL, because the NFL draft just happened. As I mentioned at the beginning, some of their stocks increase, some of their stocks decrease. So let's talk about it. Okay, we will let's start go. with the increases because I'd always like to start on a high note. So the first person on this list. Rashad White. I think Rashad White was a very, very clear winner in this draft because 
He plays for the Bucks. He backed up playoff Lenny last year and then kind of started to take over for him at the end. We saw flashes of what he will provide for the Buccaneers for years to come. Buccaneers need a lot of help in a lot of different areas, and and so they did not look at running back. And I think Rashad's, Rashad White's value, this was one of the things where, like, there were some shocks in this draft, and they the Bucks could have done something crazy like take another running back. They didn't because they have so many holes to fill. So Rashad White's value, I think, is is pretty safe. I think his value, in fact, went up, and I'm curious as to your guys' thoughts with that. If you got him, you starting him? Yeah, I do have him, and I will be starting him. Dude, I think they're the, gonna stack the box for the reasons we were just chatting. About. I know, I know, and so, but like, it, I mean, he's my RB too, but he's got PPR value, right? Because they were Tom Brady was dumping off to him last year, so you get a little bit there. And it, we're seeing the NFL like there's a lot of running back rooms that are are two headed dogs right now, and so to have a guy who is still the guy, even though it, it might be on a less than stellar team, somebody's got to do something. And yeah, with and Baker can only throw the ball 15 yards, so it kind of pans out in his favor as a as a dump off target. So I think Rashad White, he's he's a pretty good own, and he's young. He was a rookie last year, so for dynasty value, I think he's a he's a pretty good own. I I'm kind of hesitant to call him a winner right at this point. Obviously, with the NFL draft, he got he doesn't have to worry about any young running backs, right? But Let's not forget, like, Zeke is still out there. I mean, I know it's Zeke, but he still could ruin Rashad White's value at this point. You have Kareem Hunt that is still out there. Um, uh, Josh Jacobs, he hasn't signed his franchise tag yet. What if he doesn't sign with the Raiders? Like, there are still potential. Like, what happens if you don't sign your franchise tag? Do you know? Then it goes into contract negotiations. Um, If they can't negotiate anything, then I, I believe... Uh, the Raiders could release Josh Jacobs at that point or trade him off. They could do like a sign and trade type of thing. Gotcha. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, there is still some of those, those guys. Those up, I don't want to call them upper echelon guys. Once upper echelon guys like hunt and Zeke, like both those guys are still around. And I think the teams I could see, I've heard murmurs of Zeke going to, to the bucks. And I think that would hurt his value, but it hasn't happened yet. Um, but I also kind of think like maybe, maybe, maybe one of these teams is going to, or, or all of these teams will wait until the season starts and kind of see like injuries happen. Injuries happen pretty dang quick in the NFL. Like by week two or three, like a team could be down bad at the running back position due to injury. I mean, we saw it with the Ravens last year, maybe NFL teams will wait and those guys will kind of come off the board or like when training camp happens, they'll kind of relook at their team and, and do that. I mean, is that, that a fair possibility to be thinking? For sure. Yeah. yeah. 100%. I mean, you've, you've kind of, you've kind of changed my mind. I'm still thinking that, you know, you're right in the fact that there's very few teams that have uh, head and shoulders, number one running back. It's mostly, it's mostly uh, time sharing uh, all over the place. So you, you got the, you got a point there, but it's it's too early for me to tell. And the fact that teams are going to just dare either whoever wins that quarterback job to throw it, it's going to be tough sledding, tough sledding. That's fair. Next up on the list here is Mark Andrews, very clear winner in this whole thing. Uh, I, I don't think there was a world in which Mark Andrews would necessarily become a loser, but I think with Zay Flowers going there, it, it actually it benefits Mark Andrews quite a bit, and that's why I have him in the winners list. Is 
Now you have Bateman and Flowers, and we saw Mark Andrews last year. Two years ago, Mark Andrews was prime. He was a fantasy football killer. I mean, he, he just every single week was just putting up numbers. But this year we saw him struggle quite a bit, and there, I think there's a couple things that kind of allude to that reason, and I think the overarching one is the lack of wide receivers on the field. So it didn't open up the field, and, and defenses were able to key solely on Mark Andrews. The only other wide receiver that the Ravens had was Rashad Bateman because they sold Hollywood Brown to the Cardinals. So I think that really this this helps really this entire offense. Of course, you've got AJ or OBJ there now. I'm not going to say he's the greatest gift to the Ravens, but he's still a usable wide receiver threat for defenses. So I think Mark Andrews is very clearly – I think his value, we could have saw it kind of dwindle here, depending upon what the Ravens did. I think they made some good moves to help him get potentially more or open more often and, and have more offensive output. So I like Mark Andrews. My only question with Mark Andrews for you slaps is do you could you see his volume perhaps go down with the additions that they had this offseason? Yeah, I, I think you could. Um, but, you know, we, we saw the – the lack of volume last year and and that was very I'm trying to think of the right word it was it was not a good thing to see for mark andrews owners because you probably bought him pretty high you were pretty excited on him because you saw what he did at the end of last year and it didn't pan out to that so i'm okay with losing the volume or losing a little bit of volume as long as the the volume that he does see is meaningful and i think that's that's what we're going to see a little bit more of is meaningful production when it counts more I agree. I agree completely. I think, I think uh, we all know in fantasy football, there's there's about, I mean, there's Travis Kelsey and everybody, and then there's second tier Andrews, um, a couple other guys, and then there's literally maybe four tight ends that are week in, week out, just guaranteed start. Right? Andrews is still one of those. And then you add you add Flowers, who's deep threat. OBJ more of a possession receiver. I mean, Andrews is still going to be targeted immensely. So yeah, but I and the only reason I put him on the list is because the you know at the start of the season this last year or the start of the off season, like there was a lot of concern for Mark Andrews owners because what do you do with this guy? Like we didn't even know if Lamar Jackson was going to be their quarterback, and then you know they had no really other skills on offense to be completely honest like it's him and Rashad Bateman so they've done a lot of moves obviously of course keeping Lamar was a huge factor in that but they they and by they I mean the Ravens have done a really good job of getting some talent and building around to at least help build this offense and put them in the right direction so I think this this helped qualm some of the fears that Mark Andrews owners may have had next up I'm I really i this one I am pretty excited for is Justin Herbert. I think Justin Herbert is a very clear winner because I was actually in the camp that you should sell Justin Herbert in dynasty leagues. I was, I was, that's where I was. I was like, man, I would be looking to sell Justin Herbert in dynasty leagues. I think this could end up going really bad in the next couple of years for him. Mike Williams is getting older. Keenan Allen is getting older. They're struggling to stay healthy. And if the chargers don't do anything to address they're a wide receiver room that is aging and hurt often. Justin Herbert's going to pay the price for that. I still think there is a little bit of concern for him. I mean, Austin Eckler, of course, has, we, we know that he is unhappy there, and he is a focal point in that offense just as much as these wide receivers are. But I feel much more comfortable 
with a Justin Herbert own, and I think his value definitely has come back from where I personally had him at with the Quinton Johnson signing. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Quinton Johnson is just going to add, he's exactly what they needed. And then people people don't realize it because the Chargers, <laughs> the Chargers are going to charge her. So every year down the stretch, they, they, they just play themselves out of contention, right? But a big, big piece of their season happened early with a bunch of key injuries on defense and offense. So, I mean, they were – I always – I thought it was hilarious, uh, you know, when when the Broncos, my team, got uh, Russell Wilson, everybody's freaking out. And uh, AFC West is going to be the best division in the history of the NFL. Like, stuff happens. And for the Chargers, basically, the biggest thing that happened was some very key injuries. Um, so you add some of their defensive guys back, hopefully, um, you know, Quentin Johnson can add what they're missing and Herbert's obviously, I mean, the dude is, yeah, I don't even think he's, he's hit his prime yet. So a uh, big addition, exactly what they needed. And unfortunate for, unfortunate for Broncos fans. I think, I think he's going to be a fantastic addition here. So Herbert, Herbert's stock going up. Yeah. And I know we'll talk about losers later, but I think. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Justin Herbert's stock went up, but you, we're gonna sit here, and um, I think we need to look at the wide receiver room too, and face the reality that Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, their days are probably numbered in Los Angeles, right? I think Keenan Allen, um, he's gonna be what thirty-two next year, this year, Correct. and he's got a thirty-five million dollar cap hit next year. Mike Williams, he's going to be 30 years old. He has a $32.5 million cap hit next year. So I I think there's a, a real possibility that if not one of these guys are gone next year, it's both of these guys. And that's largely due to Quinn Johnson being there now. Yeah, we'll talk about him a little bit more in the losers. I uh, I don't want to delve too far into it here. We'll move on to the next winner. Romandre Stevenson coming out as a very clear winner for the Patriots running back room there. You know, the Patriots could have done a couple different things here to kind of, I don't want to say screw him over, but kind of drop his, his stock significantly. If they would have drafted a running back in an earlier round, this could have kind of spelled trouble for Romandre, but, but it didn't. It didn't. They didn't draft one, and Ramondre's value is probably higher than it's ever been before. He was extremely good last year. I think he finished as RB6 overall in fantasy, so he he did quite a bit for them. And going into the year, there was just a little bit of a question mark. And going into the year last year, who was going to be the running back one? Who was going to be their main guy? It, it looked like it could be Ramondre, but Damian Harris was still on the team at the time and was threatening to, to kind of be in the backfield and, and steal some of those touches. That's not going to be the case anymore. Ramondre looks like he is going to be the focal running back for this offense. And this offense is, to be honest with you, is pretty lackluster, right? Mac Jones has not been the guy. They've they, Their wide receiver room last year was really Jacoby Myers, who's no longer on the team. They've gotten some other wide receivers to hopefully help, but I don't want to call them A-list wide receivers by any stretch of the means. So I think that Ramondre is still going to continue to feast in this offense this next year. And I think his stock value has increased with the fact that that they did not get anybody else. 
Yeah. And I, like you said, I, there's really nobody else on this offense that they added in the off season. You could say Juju, but I, I mean, Juju doesn't really move the needle for me, right? As far as an offensive playmaker goes. And you still have Mac Jones at quarterback. King Supers is more than worth it. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> what, is, what are you watching over there? Looking out for Ramondre's stats from last year. Got, uh, got some. Got Nancy Sweet telling team. you that that tornado's coming. King Super's uh, trying to sell me something. Here. <laughs> my bad, my bad, fellas. No worries. Um, yeah. It's funny because I was trying to look him up because there's one thing I don't touch in fantasy the last like five years. It's uh, New England Patriot running backs. So I actually didn't do my homework on this one because I've literally stayed away because Bill Belichick, obviously, he doesn't really care. I bet there's... He despises a lot of things, right? He's, he's. I think he hates life. Yeah, like he's the only just. Thing he just, likes like, is subway sandwiches. You know what he probably hates more than anything in life, even more than the media is is probably anybody like us who remotely cares about fantasy whatsoever. So, I stayed away from all New England running backs for for forever because none of them really ever panned out because it seemed like including their wideouts too. It seemed like there was no guy since Randy Moss that consistently uh, got catches. There wasn't a guy that was getting 20 carries a game. So uh, this would be news to me if obviously I think you guys are correct and they're not adding a lot of weapons as far as running back goes. So that would put him in line to make moves, but I'm still, I'm still uh, very hesitant. He's the only part of that offense I think I would consider touching. But like you, I try and stay away from the Patriots ever since good old Tommy's been gone just because their offensive production has been somewhat lackluster. I think off like their running back room has been, like I said, the, the only piece that excites me in, in fantasy, at least this last year. Fair enough. Uh, Jameer Gibbs, running back, Lions. I think his stock value increased quite a bit. Obviously, he's a rookie. We kind of touched on him last week's episode, Yeti, but I, I think that I just wanted to put him on here because while he is not a veteran, he was a winner. And his value in, in dynasty drafts has skyrocketed with his landing spot. And I, I bring him up more so because I want to talk about the loser here on the flip side of this coin, which we will in just a moment. But Jameer Gibbs, you excited for this next year? Yeti, you go ahead. I'll I'll put my two cents in in a moment. Yeah, man. Uh, Jameer Gibbs is somebody that I was fortunate to draft after you and I made a little switcheroo in our dynasty league. So shout out to you for making that happen. But um, you know, I obviously compared Gibbs in the last episode to uh, DeAndre Swift's role, right? DeAndre Swift last year he played 14 games. He finished as the running back 21 in PPR leagues. Now, if he if he played uh, the the three games a full season, he would be inside the top fifteen. He'd be close to that low end RB one category that we look for in PPR. And so, I don't think it's unreasonable for Jameer Gibbs to finish that high this year. I should have gone before you. Should have gone before you. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. Uh, you know, like Swift. I think. I think. They're hoping Gibbs can be the healthy version of Swift, right? Yep. So Swift, Swift had all those the pass catching ability, all these things, and they gave him 
more than enough chances the last couple of seasons. And then they bring in Williams to kind of give him, give him a guy to help him take some of carry some of the load and he still gets injured, you know? So uh, I think they probably were in that draft room or scouting long before that. And they were saying, who is a guy that can do what Swift's doing, but is younger. And hopefully um, I didn't do a lot of homework on Gibbs. I don't know what his health history is, but it's gotta be better than Swift's. Yep. So, <laughs> I think you could find like a guy off the streets and it'd probably be a lot better than Swift. So I yeah. Think, so I think, I think they literally found a, a, a perfect replacement for him. So I think that's a huge, huge dynasty, huge dynasty guy. And somebody I'll be looking, looking for uh, probably mid round in a regular draft. For sure. What about Jerry Judy? Jerry Judy is uh, the, the Broncos. You're the Broncos expert, Scott. I know you guys didn't really have a whole lot of picks. You didn't really have a whole lot of like big name picks this last year. They, they're, they're, well, we did, but uh, they were uh, Seattle's now. Yeah, yeah. Like you, you had the sorry, you had them at one point. You lost them. Uh, is Jerry Judy a winner? I would you. I was. He was kind of on the fence for me. I mean, do you think Jerry Judy won with the draft this year just because the Broncos didn't really do anything almost at all? But they didn't do anything to get any wide receivers. I think. Jerry Judy's probably the wide receiver one in this offense. I don't know if you guys would disagree with me there, uh, but I don't think it's Cortland Sutton. So they didn't do anything at wide receiver. Do you think Jerry Judy wins in well, this they situation? Did. They did. They did. They got Mims. Uh, it was, oh, yeah, they uh, did get Mims. Yeah, they got Mims, which I think is a really good pick. Unfortunately, it's to it's to uh, cover up a bad pick, which is uh, a guy named K.J. Hamler out of Penn State. Yep. Dude, just poor guy could not stay healthy, man. He's, he's a burner that just could not stay healthy. And, um, you know, we've paid a lot of money to wideouts. Tim Patrick, great story. Cortland Sutton, great story. Injured, injured. Uh, and then Jerry Judy, quite frankly, uh, he needs to get off social media. He, he, he's on social media more than he is uh, just actually catching passes. So he finished really strong, finished really strong. No doubt he's a wide receiver number one. And while behind the scenes, I'm sure we were shopping any and all of our wide receivers uh, out front, our GM and our coach, uh, both um, named Peyton, are uh, are saying, hey, Jerry Judy's our guy. So now that we're this far down the road, he's absolutely our guy. So I think Jerry Judy is, is the number one. And quite frankly, I hope this is his last uh, chance with us because he's really just underachieved. He's a first round pick, completely underachieving. Uh, everything about him was, uh, you know, Alabama related doing his, uh, social media videos of his route running skills, which look impressive against no one, but, uh, <laughs> you know, he's, he's, there's no more excuses. Let's put it that way. Sure. No more excuses. And, and Mims, if Mims can stay healthy, I think he is, he is, uh, kind of that, that deep threat guy. Do you think he threatens, do you think he threatens Sutton as the wide receiver too on this team? For sure, for sure. Because Sutton, unfortunately, I mean, Cortland Sutton, right when he's looking like a, a physical imposing, uh, not only a, a kind of possession receiver, but had some speed, he can't separate anymore, unfortunately. Uh, I think he's a, he's a wide receiver three, and I think Tim Patrick, same thing. He was never a speed guy, but now even less so. I think those guys, one of the two are going to be out of town. I hope, I hope one of the two can return to somewhat form just – just personally for their for their careers but uh yeah we need mims stepping up real quick okay 
Getty, anything to add, or would you like to talk about the losers of the draft? As a Raiders fan, I just love hearing Broncos fans cry <laughs> about their, their guys a little bit. So I will. It's been uh, rough, so. man. Hopefully, we're turning over a new leaf, but uh, the drafts have not been kind to us for quite a while. So I can relate. None of us man. have teams. None of us have good teams. <laughs> no, no, it's true. It's true. Well, let's just all. Well, I think we should root for each other, and then Scotty and Allen will just will chastise them. Well, me and Yeti time. can't do that. Can't. Yeah, there's a there's a clear line between me and Sam. Sorry. Yeah. Damn. All right. The Chiefs are way better. Chiefs are way better. Have been for years, but uh, I I dislike nobody more than the Raiders. That's that's ingrained. Well, then let's let's just let's get off this conversation before there's bloodshed. (laughs) Let's talk about the losers of the draft for these vets. Very clearly, I think there is the biggest loser, and I'm not talking about the TV show. I'm talking about Tyler Algier. I think he was is arguably the biggest loser out of all the vets in this draft. And the reason being is, of course, because the Falcons selected with, what, the sixth overall, seventh overall pick, Bajan Robinson, right? Tyler Algier last year, and that is a rhyme, and I did not mean it to be so, but last year he was the starting running back for the Falcons for the majority of the year. Cordero Patterson is getting older. He is not nearly as as great as he was his previous year. And Tyler Algier, being a rookie last year, came in and saw the field quite a bit. So I think there was kind of a lot of, in the fantasy community, there was quite a bit of optimism with Tyler Algier as an own until the draft. Bajan Robinson, very clearly, the running back one off the board. It, the first player off the board. So I think Bajan Robinson is somebody that is going to come in. He's going to very obviously be the de facto running back one in, for this team. And I think Algier just kind of becomes like that back that to, to kind of spell Bajan Robinson and give him a break. So I think he's the biggest loser. I don't know what you guys are thinking on that. Do you, do you think there – I mean, he, he had a decent season. I mean, he averaged 4.9. I was just checking that out. Not a, not another ad, unfortunately. But uh, 4.9 yards a carry, 210 carries. I mean, do you think they're moving on that quick or, or are they going to have a two-headed monster there? I don't think you draft a running back that early unless you are ready to make a move, right? Um, I, I mean, I agree with you to a certain – extent that Tyler Algier was serviceable last year. Um, but if you look at his efficiency numbers after contact, it's just not ideal, right? He was getting 200 carries. He should have been getting a lot more yards per carrier, you know, breaking a lot more tackles. You had a generational guy like Bajan to that offense. And I mean, those, those carries, they might turn into eight yard carries, right? Because the dude is such a freak. Fair enough. Fair enough. I can see that. I mean, it's just where did where did they draft? Did you guys say where did they draft him last year? I mean, I want to say it was a third round pick is where Algier went last year. And I don't hold me to that. But I think that is where he went. It's third round. So, yeah, it's a tough look. And is somebody who doesn't own him in in Dynasty? I know a lot of people that do own him in Dynasty. I mean, what do you do with it, right? Because you can't sell him. You could have sold him pretty high, like uh, significantly higher than his value is now. He's nothing more than an RB2 with, you know, a handcuff upside at this point. So, kind of sucks for him. I think he is very obviously the biggest loser in the draft 
given where his value was at previous to the draft. So pretty tough to see. Another running back, let's talk about him, David Montgomery. So we talked about Gibbs. We talked about how excited we were for him. Do we think David Montgomery is uh, in some trouble for fantasy football output at the very least? He was the running back one for the Bears this last year. Obviously, he now plays for the Lions. Signed him to a three-year deal. So it kind of showed, you know, that move showed us that he's going to be with the Lions for the foreseeable future, very obviously. And with a three-year deal, with him being a previous running back one, I think we all had kind of assumed that David Montgomery was going to be the guy for this offense. Like, he was going to be their ipso facto number one. And then they draft Gibbs early first round. David Montgomery, he loses. His stock value goes down, do we think? I don't think he was reliable you know, last year and they, they gave him a pretty darn good shot there in Chicago. I don't think he, I wouldn't have trusted him. Shoot. They, they don't even draft Gibbs. I wouldn't have trusted him quite frankly. I mean, uh, the dude has, uh, had opportun- a couple really prime opportunities and his size. I mean, the, on paper, he looks great. And then when it comes to execution, it's just, uh, mediocre. So, um, definitely stock going down i don't know if he's like the biggest loser i definitely think uh it's it's not great that's for sure yeah it's it's interesting to me because i could see one of two things happening with demont i could see him one uh sliding into the jamal williams type of role right which was very valuable for last season because jamal williams he had what fucking 16 rushing touchdowns i believe um so yeah, like he was a top 15 yeah. running back in PPR formats just based off of the touchdowns and the short yardage goal line carries that he was seeing. So I could see that happening. Or two, I could see it being a clear 50-50 split between him and Gibbs, you know, splitting all the carries, splitting all the targets. So I don't know. It's hard for me to call him a loser at this stage. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, I agree. If Gibbs didn't get drafted, I would have been looking at DeMont as like a, a sleeper running back that could finish outside of that, you know, top 15 range possibly. But with Gibbs, yeah, I mean, I don't see him in that light anymore. What about Kenneth Walker? I mean, Kenneth Walker, he's a somewhat of a similar, I won't say the same situation because I think Kenneth Walker was very clearly a much better running back than David Montgomery is, but Zach Charbonnet was signed by the Seahawks, or drafted by the Seahawks, rather, and uh, and has now kind of put Kenneth Walker's value on a downward spiral just a little bit. I think Kenneth Walker was he was probably one of the more expensive running backs in the dynasty free market right now because of what he was. He was he was the only running back for that team. Rashad Penny obviously was the other one. He struggles with injury, and it's now no longer with the Seahawks. And then they draft Zach, and now it kind of is like, damn, what what is going on here? Because Zach was another one of those top five running backs in the draft that a lot of people were excited for his landing spot. I think it made it extremely difficult to be excited for his landing spot. And I think Kenneth Walker's value may have just decreased a little bit with this move. Sam, I'll let you take the reins on this one. Yeah, I mean, I think it decreases slightly, but, I mean, he really um... – pun intended i guess he took his opportunity and ran with it man like that dude that dude was a beast 
I don't think I don't think you can watch his tape as a coach or or a, as a fan or as a fantasy owner and think that uh, they're not going to give him touches. Like his his uh, his uh, tackle breaking ability, I think puts him in a category where they're going to find him touches. And we all know Seattle. Seattle is going to run first always, 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 always. I think Geno Smith is going to come back to earth this year. Uh, I, I just don't, I still don't trust that guy, but, uh, if he can, if he, he can be, just, if he can be just dangerous enough, which, <laughs> which is kind of his MO, I think he can, I think he can make some throws that are going to open up the running game. You, you gotta be right. When you, when you do draft a running back, how fast running backs can adapt to the NFL speed and, and jump in there. It, it brings his draft status down slightly, but I wouldn't be too concerned if I'm a dynasty Kenneth Walker owner or just, or just thinking about drafting him in a in a league. Yeah, do you own him in Dynasty? I do, yes. I mean, obviously the landing spot for Charbonnet was terrible uh, for Kenneth Walker's value, but I still see this more as a, a backup role for Charbonnet just because we have seen what Kenneth Walker can do in this offense. We know that a running back if they can stay healthy for 17 games and see over 220 touches, you know, kudos to them. It's just hard to, to do nowadays with how big these guys are. And injuries happen, unfortunately. Um, that's how Kenneth Walker got his opportunity last year when uh, Penny went down, right? So they, they're aware, and I think this was a, a good move for them to cover their ass because they don't have any backups. They all left in free agency. Um, as of right now, I don't think Kenneth Walker is down too bad. Like, obviously, I think he is still going to be the lead back. I still expect him to see like 75, 80% of the touches, and maybe Charbonnet comes in to spell him every once in a while. But it is, I mean, I'm not super concerned at this point. While we're talking about Seattle, DK and, and Tyler Lockett, does their value decrease with the addition of Jackson Smith and the Jigman now in this offense? I think Lockett is the biggest loser here because him and JSN, they play the same role. They play the yeah. slot role. Um, and Tyler Lockett, he's turning 32 next year. He also has a $15 million cap hit. Uh, so he could be one of those cap casualties going into next year. Um, he also has an injury history. He has an ankle and hip and shoulder problem, uh, it seems like, every year. So I think Lockett is the biggest loser here. I think DK is still the guy there in Seattle. Does it make it more frustrating with JSN there? Because I agree with you. I think Tyler Lockett very clearly is the the loser amongst these wide receivers. But does it even get more difficult as a DK Metcalf owner knowing that JSN is there? And does it, does it maybe make you question who the wide receiver won for fantasy purposes could be on a week-to-week basis? I don't think so. I think you're, I think, I think the biggest concern, again, I hate to be trashing Gino. I just, I just don't think, I just don't think he has enough yards per game to spread around three wide receivers. So there's going to be a loser there. And quite frankly, I haven't, DK Metcalf is obviously a specimen and, and has the ability, uh, you know, we'll never forget the rundown play. Uh, against Buda Baker. You know what I mean? Against your yeah. boy Buda, but yeah. uh, like he has all the intangibles, but it's, it's about the quarterback. 
are between those three, who's who's going to get a consistent enough uh, fantasy football value? And I would be really concerned if I was a DK Metcalf owner. And Tyler Lockett, as I recall, I didn't own him on a team, but I remember watching his stats. It was like a roller coaster. So um, I don't think that changes. I think JSN uh, would be an overrated fantasy fantasy value, at least in the beginning, and unless unless Seattle shows that they can throw more consistently. I'll tell you this, if a DCAT Metcalf owner is scared right now and he's selling low, I'm buying that up, man. We, I know there's obviously some people can be concerned with JSN, but the five years that DK Metcalf has been with Tyler Lockett, who has been a Tyler Lockett's been a very good slot wide receiver in the NFL in his five years with uh, DK Metcalf or with Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf has finished as wide receiver tw- uh, 34 his rookie season, then wide receiver 7, wide receiver 14, wide receiver 16. So this dude is still f- finishing near that mid to late uh, wide receiver 1, high wide receiver 2 status. So if people are selling him, I- I'm buying. I'm buying DK right now. Well, both of those guys, Lockett and DK, I mean, I, I again, I talk trash about consistency because – you know, those guys are still kind of a gamble, but what both of those guys do is catch touchdowns. Their yardage, their yardage isn't huge, but I mean, you look at, you look at Tyler Lockett, he hasn't eclipsed a thousand yards in several seasons, but he's, he's got double digit touchdowns in several seasons or very close to that. So it's a, it's kind of a feast or famine thing, which is, I don't, I don't see that changing. But so to your point, long-term DK's, I mean, dude's got four seasons under him. He's got a lot more to go. So, I mean, do you guys could you see this this offense becoming somewhat of a Chiefs esque offense in terms of fantasy football production, where every single week you don't know who's gonna eat and who's gonna sit on the sidelines and watch? I mean, aside from Travis Kelsey, the wide receiver room for the Chiefs last year was exactly that. I mean, right. you could you you could not consistently start a single wide receiver for the Chiefs because every week it was somebody else. Is that something you could see happening with Seattle? For sure. For sure. I mean, when you when you think about, again, Pete Carroll and running the football, I mean, he's not going to I don't think he's ever really cared uh, much to the chagrin of Russell Wilson about uh, yardage and uh, being uh, known as like the most high scoring offense in the league. It's about winning games. So I think there's definitely that that opportunity. And then when you talk about an aging locket, maybe maybe this is a year when the touchdowns don't come. So, uh, yeah, I could see that. I could see that for sure. Yeah, on the flip side, if teams know Seattle's going to run the ball, they're going to make Geno beat them through the air, right? So that could mean potentially more pass attempts if people don't believe in Geno Smith this year, much like Sam, you know. Um, We're going to make Geno Smith throw the ball 40 times a game. Okay, that's more volume for DK. You know, that's that's great. That's... um, I'm not really concerned about Lockett, to be honest, because he is one of those up and down guys, whereas DK is the possessional type of guy. So I would, I personally think DK's volume is safe, but I'm not, I could see the JSN Lockett scaring you a little. Okay. Wide receiver pairs, we're talking about them. So let's talk about Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. We kind of briefly brushed on them earlier with Quentin Johnston signing with the Chargers. Are drafted with the Chargers. I keep saying signing. Drafted with the Chargers. 
those guys on the hot seat, I mean, their stock value is going down, and I think it's going to continue to go down. I, I'm curious to know if you guys share that same sentiment. I think we might get one more usable fantasy year out of them and squoze that juice. But then after that, it, it could be uh, could be rough sailing if you're you're stuck holding that time bomb. What are your guys' thoughts? Yeah, do you jump on that one? Yeah, I mean, as I kind of alluded to earlier, Keenan Allen, he's thir- turning 32 years old. He's owed a lot of money next year. Mike Williams, he's going to be turning 30 next year. He's also owed a lot of fucking money. If Quentin Johnson comes out this year and he exceeds expectations and uh, replaces that Mike Williams role, Mike Williams is probably done with the Chargers. Keenan Allen, um, like I said, 32 years old. There's no way they keep him on that $32 million contract or 35, whatever I said it was. It was over $30 million a year. There is no way in fuck they keep him on that contract next year. Either they have to restructure him or cut him. And I think um, I think he's going to be let go. Okay. Yeah, I think Keenan Allen, I mean, you're talking about a 10-year wide receiver. He's had two major injuries. Uh, you know, he's... He can sing. He was on the mass singer I saw. I can honestly say with with uh a lot of pride I've never watched that show once. So I haven't I'm either. Kidding. I saw a clip of it and it said uh-huh. it, it was yeah. Yeah, he's too sure. All right, you caught me guys. I'm a but, huge uh fan. no, I think Mike Williams, he's the younger guy, the 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 guy who hasn't had a series of injuries, so I think if you're going to keep one of those contracts it's his and uh but you know who knows? Who knows? They they're definitely San Diego or San Diego, the Chargers of Los Angeles aren't in kind of a position. They made a great move with Johnson to address need, but uh, I think what what will really hurt this team is if Eckler um, is really as upset as he is. I mean, this this it everything goes through that guy, and Justin Herbert's got to be really concerned if that dude doesn't uh, get on board for another go around. That, that's going to be a huge impact to anybody on this team uh, from the wide receiver to the quarterback. Fantasy value, huge impact. If Eckler's going to sit out or do whatever he's going to do. Sure. Um, what about uh, KJ Osborne? I, I don't think he's anything super flashy, but I think he was the ipso facto wide receiver too after Adam Thielen left, and some people were grabbing him off waivers and kind of excited for it. That's not going to be the case anymore. I think K.J. Osborne is what K.J. Osborne is, and that is kind of a backup. Like He's a last resort wide receiver that you start when everybody else is is injured on your bench, and I think he has returned to form there with the Vikings signing Jordan Addison. We agree with that? Yep. Yep, and I was going to say I think a sneaky good move was was that that draft pick of Addison. You know, they got to obviously – Bolster that with Thielen uh, leaving town. Uh, Justin Jefferson's obviously going to command a lot, a lot of attention. If this dude could uh, jump in and do well, uh, look out. Obviously, USC wide receivers in the NFL are hit or miss, and uh, historically more of a miss. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Well, with it's, this guy. it's also worth pointing out: Kirko Chains is on the last year of his contract. So what do the Vikings do at the quarterback position moving forward? Just something to note. I don't think it should be anything crazy this year, but 
Vikings got to figure out if they're going to re-sign him after this year or figure out their quarterback situation, and that could potentially impact both Justin as well as Addison, depending upon who uh, who their quarterback is. So just want to point that out. I think they'd be silly not to re-sign him. I mean, they I think they have bigger issues on that team than Kirk Cousins. I agree. That defense is a problem. So, I, I, I mean, I think Kirk will be around for another two, three years at least, right? I'm looking for more airplane picks of him wearing people's chains and him being so, all ripped and stuff. So you just so. talk about poor, poor fan bases like the Vikings. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that stadium looks beautiful, though. Dude, it looks really sweet. It's just a shame they they go undefeated till what was it week thirteen something. Oh, like that. then they lose to the Colts or. Then you talk about close. defenses. They had such a good defense like three four years ago, but they didn't have the offense. They're always just like missing one thing, or their kicker just misses field goals. Like it's just <laughs> poor bastards, poor bastards up there. All so. right, Dawson Knox, tight end for the Bills. We think his stock value drastically dropped with the the drafting of Dalton Kincaid to this Bills offense. Man, Dawson Knox was one of those guys last year where it's like you couldn't figure him out. Should I start him this week? If you bench him, he's probably going to go off for 40. If you start him, he's probably going to put up like two points, right? Um, obviously, with Dal- Dalton Kincaid on that roster now, they're kind of in the same role where they can both play in line, but they can also play in the slot. So I think we'll see a lot of like two tight end sets now in that in that uh, Buffalo offense, which obviously is terrible news for Dawson Knox, who didn't have much volume to begin with. Yeah, I mean, like I like I stated earlier, tight end is just. I mean, it's it's a, a tough, tough position, and it's the hardest one to put a starter in unless you got one of three guys in the NFL. Uh, I didn't find Knox all that reliable anyways. I don't think Kincaid will cut too much into what he did score. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, it lowers his, his value a little bit, but I didn't I didn't value him all that high anyways. So I feel like I need me. to get a cat. That's what I'm learning. You have a cat. Yeti has a cat. They both sometimes hop up in laps and join the podcast, and I feel left yeah, out. Man. Yeah, man. So I need it's, to get a cat. Uh, Dalton Kincaid is one. It's interesting because a lot of people are in, in dynasty formats. He's, like, going late first round. I mean, if you – let's say hypothetically all the main – the big-name wide receivers are gone, like the top four, your Addison Johnson, and then your quarterbacks are gone – We'll say Gibbs and Robinson are gone. Let's say you have the 10th overall pick in a 10-team league. Okay. Are you taking Kincaid there at the 110? Are you kind of looking at somebody like Jonathan Mingo or um, maybe like a Jalen Hyatt? Or like would you rather have one of those guys over Kincaid? Or yeah, Maybe a Meyer for the Raiders. Well, uh, Yeti, 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 Yeti likes Michael Mayer quite a bit. Oh, I, I love Mayer, man. Um, what are the... things that good tight ends? You're talking about – Tight end school. There you go. Exactly, man. Um, I mean, at the 110, I wouldn't hate taking Kincaid or Mayer there, honestly. It just depends on your team build, right? Like, if you need a wide receiver, then I'm probably taking Mingo if he's there. But um, if your starter right now is Dawson Knox, I don't hate hate the idea of getting Mayer or Kincaid. Okay. Um, we'll talk about Travis Etienne very briefly. Is his stock value gone down? Tank Bigsby, running back, was drafted to the Jags. Is that a concern for Travis Etienne owners? And do we think that Bigsby could potentially um, 
could potentially cut into that. It's, it's two power cats, hour. We got two cats. Two cats, show. There we go. Um, man, that's interesting. I think they need to bolster their weapons. I, I think it's it's uh, it's a situation where Etn. I think I think Etn needs needs a needs a handcuff uh, to share the load a little bit, prevent kind of. What makes him great is that is that speed and that uh, uh, yard after hit or whatever they call it. Excuse my, uh, I can't think of it. But uh, so I think they need to keep him fresh, and I think that was a move. And remind me, where did Tank go? What round? I mean, it wasn't. I mean, it's a later uh, round, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't, I don't have the round. Tank Bigsby. Let me look. What a cool, what a cool name, by the that, way. No, that I think he has the coolest name in the NFL. He went round three. He was pick number eighty-eight. So like, still like within realms of getting worked in because remind me also that there's there's nobody else on the the jags that is going to fight for playing time with etn i mean no yeah i think i think you got a situation where you got two young running backs one of which is is head and shoulders going to be i think you're looking at a 70 30 65 35 split or you think that's our numbers yet? I, think it's good, I think it's good news for etn okay yeah i mean i think we have to remember too that last year the what the uh with the way the season started out in Jacksonville, they had James Robinson on the roster still. And I understand ETN was coming back from injury, but that's something that we can't forget about with ETN going forward. He had major foot surgery. They need to keep him fresh for all 17 games. So um, if they want to give ETN and Bigsby a, a, the 50-50 split, I would not be surprised, honestly, uh, to start off the season especially because they need ETN down the stretch. I mean, the Jags are a sneaky. I mean, they're they're. I, I was kind of interested to see if they take a wide receiver. Like I, I, I was kind of interested to see if Jags try and take a wide receiver, just because you got Calvin Ridley, who is. I don't want to say he's an unknown, but he's kind of coming back from not playing for a while, so that kind of lends some credence to the unknown. Um, and then you have, uh, gosh, what's his name? Uh, well, Christian Kirk, of course, who's still there. Um, but it's Zay not a Jones. true. Yeah, I mean, like your wide receiver room is. I to be honest with you, I don't think the Jags' wide receiver room is incredibly strong. So, I was interested to see if they take a wide receiver. They didn't. They took Tank Bigsby, and uh, which was probably fine. I think that kind of that shows their hand that they're confident in their wide receiver room that they currently have, and and maybe next year they'll look at grabbing somebody else. But. Um, I mean, you think those numbers that Scott threw around, or excuse me, that Sam threw around are fair, Yeti? The 65-35 kind of is where we'll see, like 70-30-ish? Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised if we see a little higher split, honestly. Just as the season goes on, I think, you know, 60-40, 55-45 might be a real possibility with the way Doug Peterson likes his running backs. Okay. I mean, historically, Doug Peterson hasn't had a RB1 right he's at a rotational running back yeah last year they couldn't do that because etn's backup was snoop connor snoop yeah snoop. you sorry, know who snoop. is that on you know sorry snoop sorry, I love sorry scotty scotty's he was a huge fan of snoop mm-hmm. i think mostly his name uh all right last last uh stock value down I want to talk about Christian Watson very so slightly. There's a lot of variables going on with the Packers, right? Aaron Rodgers, of course, is no longer there, also known as he who shall not be named. They have a new quarterback in town. They got a new cowboy, a new sheriff, a new gunslinger. So they got that going on. And then, of course, the Packers 
also go get another wide receiver to help their new quarterback in Jaden Reed. He was an early second round pick. So Christian Watson is somebody who at the end of the year last year, his fantasy football production really started to to take form. He was a touchdown hog. He was getting a lot of, of fantasy points there. Does this bring his value back to earth a little bit with Jaden Reed coming coming in and kind of maybe making them question? Obviously, like I mentioned, you have a you have a new quarterback, you have another wide receiver they drafted early. Is there do you think Christian Watson's value comes down slightly and more so back to earth? Man, if Christian Watson's value is low right now, I'm buying him. I don't think Jaden Reed is gonna affect watson's volume too much because if you look at that wide receiver room watson is a clear alpha and that for green bay in my opinion they have him dubs uh samari from nebraska shout out samari um and now Jaden reed so christian watson is i think uh god i can't think of the phrase but he is by far the best wide receiver and i think he's going to command all the targets or not all the targets but most of the wide receiver one looks for green bay okay yeah i have to agree it's one of those situations where he has the most experience in a pretty inexperienced room Mm -hmm. but i don't think he has enough (laughs) enough experience or enough clout to demand uh, a ton of attention from defenses so i think the opportunities at least until he you know proves proves uh opponents wrong i think he has an opportunity to really jump out to a, a good lead here okay that's really all i have for the the um the the losses for the vets this draft but i i do have some honorable mentions that i just want to touch on um james connor on facebook he got on facebook and he marked himself as safe he put the little flag up and he said i'm safe i think james connor is one of the guys who is pretty safe this year because the Cardinals, we did have quite a few picks. We kind of maneuvered our way around uh, this entire draft, which was cool to see. But James Conner, we did not draft a running back. And so I think James Conner, this is still his backfield again this year. He is getting a little bit older. And so that that we got we to gotta touch on that. But if the Cardinals were to draft a running back, even in the third round, that would put James Conner's value into question. They did not do that. So I think James Conner is he he's marked as safe right now. I don't think his value has necessarily increased, but it has not decreased due to the draft. So I, I put him on here. Um Tyler Boyd. I, I just want to talk about this for just a second because we're kind of talking about these guys who are, you know, I mentioned like a third round guy. And, and when when an NFL team drafts somebody in the third round, obviously they're hoping no matter what draft pick they do hits. But from us playing fantasy football, Tyler Boyd comes into question a little bit for me. Uh, in the third round, the Bengals drafted Mr. Charlie Jones, who's kind of the same build as Tyler Boyd. We think Tyler Boyd's value has is we're, we're going to see the end of Tyler Boyd in the near future. I had more to say, and I didn't, so I, I'll just throw it out there for you guys. Sorry, that was kind of a weird way to stop. So I think I think that's a preemptive look at, you know, obviously between um, their wide receivers, their starting wide receivers there, they're going to have to make some decisions pretty soon. Uh, So I think that's a preemptive. Hey, Boyd's probably going to be the guy walking. Obviously, you're not going to chase is while they're both really, really good. Chase is kind of a 
uh, one of one of five in the league type of guys. So I think that's a preemptive. Hey, we're going to have to cut Boyd loose. Let's get a guy similar build, hopefully similar uh, consistency on the roster and uh, build some chemistry with with Joey B. That's my thoughts. Yeah, I agree. I think it's kind of a cover your ass type of move with Higgins potentially leaving in the offseason. Boyd is 28 years old, turning 29. Like, how much tread does he have left on the tires? So let's replace him with a guy like Charlie Jones. If it hits this year, great. If not, let's go get a guy next year type of thing. Okay. Uh, last guy I want to talk about. We talked about James Conner marking himself as safe, and I went and saw on Facebook that none other than Gabriel Davis liked James Conner's post and, in fact, shared the same post. Gabriel Davis was marked safe. So uh, that was something. And I, I don't think he's necessarily a wonderful own in fantasy because it's a, he's a very frustrating own. But going into this draft, there was some speculation that the Bills were going to take a wide receiver. And if they were to do so, very obviously the person to go is going to be Gabe Davis, right? Because Stephon Diggs is not going anywhere. So – and it, uh, this is all depending upon what round they would draft him in and who they were going to draft. But that there was a lot of talk about that. And so the guy that's going to leave is Gabe Davis. The guy that is going to lose out in this offense would very clearly be Gabe Davis. They didn't draft a wide receiver. They drafted Dalton Kincaid, who will be on the field and who will be catching balls for them. But I think you can rest. You can, you can sleep soundly knowing that Gabe Davis while being a frustrating own, will still be on the field. So I, I think that we can mark him safe. I mean, he's safe for 2023, and then he's a, a free he's, agent. So, he's got to do something. His money is not going to be – I mean, he'll – I mean, compared to us, he'll make very good money. But his money's not going to be all that safe if he has another kind of – I mean, he had a decent season. Uh, but uh, if he wants to get that – one more giant contract, which is feasible. He only gets one more as a wide receiver in this league. He's got to have a big year. So big he's got to start being consistent. He's got to catch balls. Yeah. And maybe, maybe, maybe he gets off Facebook and pushes a little harder. I mean, yeah, you're, you're looking at 800, 900 yards a year. Not, not anything to um, scoff at, but, and he's coming off his best year with 83. Uh, no, only 45 receptions, man. Yeah, he yeah. dropped a lot. He's fast. He can run yeah. down the field, but he dropped a lot of balls. So I'd like to see him on the jugs machine a lot this offseason yeah, yeah. to try and get I mean, him going. Yeah, he looks he looks like a giant out there, and then he just he doesn't seem to play like it consistently. Yeah. Yeah. Any other thoughts on that, Yeti, or you agree? I agree, man. Okay. Gentlemen, that's all I have today. Is there anything else that we missed we wanted to talk about before we get the hell out of here? Um, I just one more player I was kind of thinking about since we were talking about Gabe Davis, kind of a inconsistent guy or younger guy, uh, Traylon Burks. I think he's going to be a very curious fantasy play this year, just because he was drafted in the first round last year. Obviously he had some injury issues. He had asthma issues, whatever you want to call it, but Tennessee, they didn't draft another wide receiver. He is legit. It. If you look at their roster, Traylon Burks is sitting at the top. He has another year with this playbook. He has another year in the league. I think Traylon Burks is going to be one of those sneaky guys to watch this year. I'm not saying to go buy him high, but I, I do think that 
he could sneak into that wide receiver two category on fantasy teams just because he is the guy and he's going to command the targets for Tennessee. Do you, do you think that it's going to be difficult for him to do that because there's no other wide receivers in that offense as well as this quarterback room is a freaking mess? They're going to be playing from behind, man. I I mean, I don't care who's throwing the ball. Um, he's going to get peppered with targets knowing that there's really nobody else to, to throw at, right? Obviously, he's going to have to create separation as a wide receiver one in that offense, but they can also draw plays for him. They can get him screens. They can get him easy slant routes. Like, get him involved early and often, even if it's not through the, the air game. Maybe do some end rounds with him. Just try to get him involved in some way because he is their best playmaker aside from Henry at this point. I always thought I, I thought last year that the Titans were going to be behind a lot of the year, and somehow the Vrabes he finds a way to get it done. He finds that they have they always have winning seasons. When I think they're, I mean, they is there a more is there a more confounding team uh, going into the NFL than the Tennessee Titans? I mean. They could go. They could go. They could get four wins. They could get thirteen. <laughs> it's it's all on Braves. He's the yeah. master. He's the puppeteer. Yeah, I mean we we've been probably waiting for the other shoe to drop like last year, year before that, um, and they just keep winning ball games. So um, it's that he's the one kind of su- ultra successful dude uh, recent, at least in recent memory of the Belichick tree that uh, they're not trying to rebuild. They're trying to they're trying to make the playoffs every year. So. Uh, but but to Yeti's point, I think that's a really a really good point actually. Like they're gonna they're gonna get away uh, to get the ball in his hands. So I think uh, that is a sneaky good pick, sneaky good pick there. Okay, Sam, anything else you want to cover? Uh, go Nuggets. <laughs> uh, I hope you're not a, a a Suns fan in addition to a Cardinals fan. But if you are, I'm not. No. I'm not. I, you can you can holster your weapons, sir. All right, all right, I, all you're right, fine. Right, Basketball is not my forte. I uh, I've tried. I respect basketball fans, but I just can't get into it. I've tried, and it's it does not work for me. With I think the Broncos, the Broncos uh, put me through the ring in the past few years. My my love for the Nuggets has only increased. So this is our year. <laughs> Go Nuggets. Well, you know what? I'll root for the Nuggets for you, Sam. I will. Go Nugs. We just won't be on the same podcast when the Lakers and Nuggets play next week. You guys are killing me. Yeah, you're wearing your Lakers shirt. This is just rough. You guys are like. They're the coat. Well, of course, the news today was the Lakers are the favorites to win the championship in Vegas today. Uh, what people failed to mention was they had the exact same odds as the Nuggets. So we're co-favorites we're co- <laughs> to win the championship this year. Well, stay tuned. We'll see what happens. There you go. There right. you go. Gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. We'll do it again next week. Let's get out of here. We are. Got to say out, Sam. Out. (laughs) If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you tune into our new releases every week on your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and check out leatherbrains.com for all of your fantasy football needs. And remember, Brainiacs, a championship should be more than a fantasy.